0: Hey all you gamblers, sports addicts, and overall degenerates, you're listening to the Angry Degenerate Podcast, your one-stop shop for sports hot takes and primo gambling picks. And now, the voice behind the laugh heard round the world, (laughs) the Angry
1: Degenerate. Welcome to the Angry Degenerate Podcast. I am your Angry Degenerate, Michael Alexandre. Thank you all for joining me this past week on the podcast. And for joining me on the podcast for this entire uh, time. I mean, now we're on episode 12. I can't even fucking believe it. I'm on episode 12. And last week... I was wrong when I told you guys that I was going to be on this ASAP All Sports All Play Network on Thursday. I was actually on it on Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on this show called The Sports Corner as part of the ASAP Network. It'll be live every Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, live on YouTube and Facebook Live. I'll be there every week from now on, until I choose not to, with my co-hosts Nate the Great and Greg the Keg. And on that show, we'll just be doing a little bit of what we're doing here. Talking about sports, talking about hot takes of the week, talking about news of the week. And I'll be doing that now until like i said until i choose not to or until i add another show to my list of things i know that there's some people been reaching out to me about being on their show stay tuned for that i will obviously update you on tiktok which by the way tiktok you've blocked me from commenting once again maybe what i'm saying is actually working because people are getting upset and trying to block my content I'll also update you on Instagram. You can find both of those at The Angry Degenerate. I've also, this past week, created a Facebook page, so you can find me on Facebook now at The Angry Degenerate Podcast. And I've also created a YouTube channel. The eventual goal here, guys, is to eventually go live on YouTube Live. and Maybe, perhaps, monetize this damn thing going forward. One step at a time, though. One step at a time, though. I'm having fun doing this podcast and trying to grow my audience. We shall see where this goes. But for today, I have a few topics that I want to hit on. and Then, of course, I have my dumbasses of the week, and I have my picks of the week, which, once again, I was successful in making money for myself and hopefully for those out there paying attention. So today, I want to talk about COVID in the NFL. I feel like I've been talking about that every damn week. So this is going to be a very NFL-centric show. I'm going to be talking about the Dak Prescott shoulder injury situation and how, you know, something don't quite smell right. It doesn't pass the smell test what the Dallas Cowboys are pushing forward here. I'm going to talk about Tim Tebow. And then I'm going to cap off talking about the Field of Dreams, the game that happened last Thursday, and how great it was for baseball and how they can kind of piggyback on that and hopefully run with it for the future and add some other components to make the game exciting. And of course, I'll have my dumbasses of the week and my picks of the week. So to start off, COVID in the NFL. This week, the Oakland Raiders and the New Orleans Saints announced you must show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test within the last 74 hours to attend their games during the 2021 season. This is coming off the heels of other teams, including the Falcons and the 49ers, releasing mask mandates throughout the stadium, meaning you got to wear masks indoors, as well as the Rams and Chargers. The Rams and Chargers also announced a similar concept. We knew this was going to happen, folks. The way the country is turning right now, with this Delta variant coming out, you saw cities like San Francisco announced that If you're going to a bar, if you're going to a gym, if you're going to a club, you got to show your vaccination card. LA County brought back the mask mandate, wearing masks indoors. This was bound to happen. If you want businesses to stay open, they got to ensure that the people that are coming in and consuming their business are also compliant and healthy. It is a private business after all. Private businesses get to dictate what they want to do. And you best believe Roger Goodell and the NFL doesn't want to lose out on more money this year by canceling games or not having any people at the goddamn stadium. I just went to a 49er preseason game, a preseason game. You know how much a beer is at an NFL stadium? It averages about anywhere between $12 to $15, 12 on the low end, 15 on the high end, sometimes even $18. That's a lot of money the NFL is making off of animals like me consuming copious amounts of alcohol at games. Not to mention the food aspect. Not to mention the $50 of parking that I paid. Not to mention the actual ticket prices that I paid. That's a shit ton of money that the owners don't want to lose. So of course NFL owners and the commissioner is going to take the proper steps to ensure their asses are covered. Can you imagine how it would look if news reports stated that someone went to, let's say, a Raiders game and they were unvaccinated and got COVID and died, that would be a PR nightmare for the NFL, which doesn't need any more PR nightmares. They need to take the proper protocols to ensure that something like that isn't a possibility, to ensure everyone is fucking safe that is in their privately owned business. The owners' beliefs are one thing, but the belief that they have, that all 32 owners have, is in the almighty American dollar. And they need to protect their assets, which is generating money. Money! For all the anti-vaxxers out there, and I know that there's a lot out there, I see them all the time on social media, I see them all the time on Facebook, I see them all the time on TikTok. boo fucking who, man! It's a private business doing private business things. If you don't like it, you don't have to go, man. You don't have to go to a Raider game. You don't have to go to a football game. You can sit down at home, drink your cheap beer, and not have to spend the exorbitant prices at the games. That might be a win in your wallet. (laughs) But with that being said, this Delta variant thing, it's ramping up. Come fall, the NFL is doing what it can to make sure they have... Capacity crowds in attendance. They don't want to lose more money. And if you got to show your vaccination card to ensure you go to the game, then so be it. It's no different than when your kids have to go to a public school and have to show their vaccination status to be in a public school. This is no different. This has been going on since I was a kid. So don't act like this is something brand new. It's not. You're just an entitled, privileged fuck who doesn't like to be told what to do. They're giving you a choice, by the way. This isn't forced. You're not being forced to go to any game. It's a choice. So it's not forced. I keep hearing the narrative out there that this is being forced upon us. It's not being forced. It's a choice. You can choose to comply or you can choose to sit at home. If you're me, I want to have fun. So I'm going to comply. But all these people out there that are saying, oh, well, you know, th- this is being forced upon us. How much shit in fucking society is forced upon us, folks? <laughs> Do you wear a seatbelt while you drive your car? That's forced upon you. Do you stop at a stop sign? That's being forced upon you. You can drive without, being stopped at, without stopping at a stop sign, but you're going to put other people in danger if you pass that stop sign and you may get a ticket. You can do you can do all that. You cannot wear a seatbelt. You cannot stop at a red light. You cannot stop at a stop sign. You have the choice to not do that. Nobody is forcing you to do that. But there will be consequences to the actions if you do get caught. <laughs> People act like you don't have a choice to do things. You always have a choice. You always have a choice. And the choice here is don't go to the fucking football game. I expect all teams to follow suit with what the Las Vegas Raiders and the New Orleans Saints are doing. And you know what? I don't give the Las Vegas Raiders much credit for a lot of things. But I'm giving them credit for this. Keeping their interests in mind and keeping their fans safe. And like I said. If you don't like it. You don't have to fucking go. And that's my stance on that. Moving on. Dak Prescott. If you've been living under a rock, the Dallas Cowboys have hard knocks this year. One of the big stories out of hard knocks is that Dak Prescott has a shoulder injury. And this is a different injury from that grotesque ankle injury that he suffered last year. I know I'm a little bit late on this, but that's because I only record this podcast once a week. I typically record on Wednesday, push it out, or Thursday and record it and push it out Friday or Saturday. But this Dak Prescott situation, it doesn't pass the te- smell test for me. He's coming off a catastrophic ankle in- injury. It was gnarly, man. I mean, his ankle was flipped the other way. A normal common man such as myself would probably still be... Immobilized, but guess what? I don't play NFL football and I don't have to rehab 24 7 for my job. The perils of being the common man. But guess what's happening? He's being held out of reps from throwing the ball in OTAs and training camp. But he has been throwing out on the side on his own. He's not involved in like these drills that you see in training camp and you know, those drills that you see in OTAs. Which is understandable, a guy coming off of a catastrophic injury should probably still not, at this point in time, at least when training camp was going, participating in, in full contact drills. But then it comes down with this shoulder injury, this mysterious shoulder injury that is very similar to what baseball pitchers get. And if anyone watches baseball, you know that these shoulder injuries, especially in your throwing shoulder, Linger. I could point to one situation now that's relevant. Jacob deGrom. You guys don't know, Jacob deGrom was pitching lights out. He was pitching like Bob Gibson was in the 1960s. Nobody was touching the guy. In fact, he was the leader in the clubhouse for the Cy Young. But he kept coming away start after start with shoulder injuries. They shut him down for a few starts. He'd come back another shoulder injury. Shut him down, came back, another shoulder injury. Now guess what? The Mets told him, we're shutting you down. That's just an example of countless others in baseball who go through these chronic shoulder injuries. A more interesting comparison would be that of Cam Newton in the NFL. Cam Newton hasn't been the same guy since that 2018 shoulder injury that he played through. Granted, the Cowboys are being cautious and not playing him, so kudos to them, but this is a bit of a catch-22, and I'm glad I'm not in the position of Mike McCarthy or Jerry Jones to make this decision. Dak just signed this massive contract coming off a bad injury to his ankle, and from what Mike McCarthy said the other day, it doesn't seem like he's going to take one snap in preseason. So no snaps in OTA, no snaps in training camp, and no snaps in preseason. I know these guys are pros, and I know I've been saying that preseason don't matter, and it doesn't, and I'll keep harping on that. But I gotta think you have to put him in there for at least a series or two, just so his body can get accustomed to the NFL contact again to grow that callus. What team doctors were saying last year, is that a lot of soft tissue non-contact injuries were happening because players weren't accustomed to getting hit in practice or hit in preseason because there was no training camp or preseason last year. Or if there was, it wasn't to the level of training camps of the past. I know there wasn't no preseason. And I'm not a doctor, first of all. I'm just a regular corporate stooge that does this podcast. But I'm just regurgitating their information this can be all for naught if Dak comes back week one and lights it up. If he comes back week one and lights it up, forget everything I said. It's a cold, hard take. But something doesn't smell right here. How did he even get to that point where he's having shoulder injuries? Was he throwing too much in practice? It just doesn't make sense. Because this is not a very common injury for quarterbacks. It's not like he was hit in practice or hit at training camp or hit during a game like cam newton was the recent mri on his shoulder came clean but those injuries can be aggravated pretty easily as you see in baseball it only takes one swap at the shoulder at the arm for their 40 million dollar man to be relegated to the bench and then you got benny danucci the pizza man as i like to call him backing up dak prescott And I don't know if you saw Benny DiNucci play last year, but he was horrific. Horrific to the point that Jerry Jones got on his regular radio show in Texas and criticized him, said the guy wasn't ready. He was a seventh-round pick, I believe. What makes you think he's going to be ready now? The fact that the Dallas Cowboys knew that their prized possession, their $40 million man, coming off of a catastrophic injury, and they didn't properly equip him with a decent backup, that's an issue that's an issue that may come back to haunt them we shall see but that's part for the course for the cowboys the cowboys are once again doing things that i would expect from a team like the cincinnati Bengals, not america's team aka the most expensive franchise on the fucking planet the dallas cowboys need to get their shit together and i'm not sure mike mccarthy will be the right guy to do it can you really claim to be america's team When your team continuously is the laughingstock of the league? Cowboy fans, Cowboy fans, we don't envy you, man. I know I talk shit to you constantly. We don't envy you. We don't give a shit about America's team, the whole moniker. We talk shit to you because your team has been a joke for the past 25 years and your fan base continues to peddle the same bullshit That I saw peddled 25 years ago. And don't get me wrong. I root for Dak. Dak is a humble guy. It's not like he was a top draft pick. I believe he was drafted in like the fourth round out of Mississippi State. He's a humble guy. And he seems like a genuine guy. I hope health for him. For years to come. But Cowboy fans. Something don't smell right here. And I hope he's healthy. Because if he isn't. This will be another cowboy list postseason without him. And I'm okay with that. And so is the rest of the NFL. Because you know what? Cowboys ain't shit. On to my next topic. Tim Tebow. The Jesus Man. Tim Tebow. I want to get this quickly out of the way because Tim Tebow is quite irrelevant. He keeps getting peddled in the media because the media seems to love this Jesus Man. All because... He won a national title with Florida, did that amazing speech with Florida, propelled Urban Meyer's career, and, you know, Urban Meyer had to throw him a bone. But if you've been living under a rock, Tim Tebow got released. Tim Tebow was signed to be a tight end. Guess what? Tim Tebow is not a tight end. He's supposed to be a quarterback, but he's not even good at that. My reaction to that news was no fucking shit. He was brought in to be a backup tight end. Backup tight ends, for the most part, need to block and play special teams. He clearly couldn't do either, as we saw in the game where he missed two blocks epically. So he can't play special teams and he can't block. So what the fuck was he useful for? I'll tell you. He's a hometown boy from Jacksonville. He played just down the road with the Florida Gators. When he was signed, his jersey was, I believe, top five in NFL sold. Now I don't know if you've ever bought an NFL jersey, but those suckers average at about 150 bucks, 250 to 300 bucks if you get that stitched on NFL player, the ones that they wear on the field ones. That's a shit ton of money that was generated for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Also, a shit ton of PR address to a team. That, let's be honest here, is pretty much in Siberia. Nobody gives a shit about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I've never met one Jacksonville Jaguars fan in my entire life. You look at their stadium, it's constantly empty. So, from my perspective, the Khan family, which owns the Jacksonville Jaguars and AEW, good for them. They made money out of this deal, but it was pretty clear and evident that this guy is just not equipped to play in this league. And they were successful. They put more eyeballs on the product. And if anything, they probably took some eyeballs away from Trevor Lawrence. Because it seems like he's kind of a little bit slightly struggling. So that kind of took away the narrative on that and kind of put eyeballs on Tim Tebow. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have no winning culture. They did have some stacked teams with Brunel in the 90s with Brunel, Taylor, and Jimmy Smith. And then they had that one... Random year where Blake Bortles and that stacked defense with Jalen Ramsey went to the AFC title game and damn near took out Tom Brady and the Patriots. But ever since then, I believe that was, what, in 2016? 15? They've been damn near irrelevant since then. I really, really fucking hope the media can really stop forcing Tim Tebow down our throats. Dude sucks, and he's literally... The epitome of privilege. A dude that fucking sucks at his job but continues to get jobs despite sucking. He sucked as an NFL quarterback. He sucked as a baseball player. Okay, he sucked at both of those. Let's try to bring him back in as a tight end. He sucked at that. And I have no problem with Tim Tebow. I think he's a genuine, nice guy, never been in trouble. He dresses well, good looking guy. I don't have a bad thing to say about him personally. But the way the media tries to shove him down our throats, good riddance. And that's my take on the Tim Tebow situation here. Lastly, I want to touch on the Field of Dreams game. And once again, I know I'm a little bit late on this, but that's the perils of only hosting a podcast once a week. You'll be seeing a little bit more of me now. On Mondays at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Sports Corner as part of the ASAP Network. But the Field of Dreams game was a massive success for Major League Baseball. And one of the very, 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 very few things Rob Manfred and MLB ever do right. It was a rating success. It was the most watched regular season baseball game since a Yankees-Red Sox game in 2005. It's such a success that they already announced an iteration for next year, Field of Dreams Part 2, with I believe it's going to be the Cincinnati Reds playing the Chicago Cubs, two OG franchises in Major League Baseball. But for those of you that are not in tune with baseball, which I don't blame you, Field of Dreams is a famous movie that I believe was released in 1988, 1989. It's preserved in the National Archives for Cultural Significance. It stars Kevin Costner, uh, and he's a man who's about to lose his farm in Iowa, so he builds a baseball field in the cornfields of Iowa. And it starts attracting old, dead baseball stars, and they play in the field at night. And then the crucial key term from there is, if you build it, they will come. It's a historic uh, line from that movie. It's a cheesy movie, but it's really good for those that like baseball. The fact that the game was played by the New York Yankees in Iowa in the middle of nowhere in the cornfield was fucking awesome, and it intrigued a lot of people, which, by the way, obviously shows with the ratings. What was even great about it was that the game itself was exciting, and it was great for television. Big success for baseball. For a sport that needs to attract more eyeballs, I would like to see more gimmick games like that. So why not do like a Sandlot game? Just throwing it out there. I think Sandlot, it's another one of those cult classic movies that I think if they did like a Sandlot-themed game, kind of like how they did with Field of Dreams, it would also draw a lot of lot of ratings. Bring back the, the stars from the Sandlot. Throw out the first pitch. Make a whole thing out of it. Angels in the outfield, another one. Why not, folks? Major League Baseball needs to do these gimmicks to attract eyeballs to the product. But here's the thing. The ratings for the game was, I think it was something like 5 to 7 million, anywhere in that range. That's a hit for Major League Baseball. An average preseason game. In fact, I think the Hall of Fame game that aired a few weeks back on national television... A game like that already gets 7 million in watching it. A preseason game gets more than a highly published televised baseball game kind of like the Field of Dreams. And that just tells you the state of baseball today. Baseball needs the common person fan to tune in. And that's what kind of happened with the Field of Dreams game. The intrigue. Baseball oftentimes isn't too intriguing or just doesn't have storylines that interest the common fan. I give credit where credit is due and this was a win for Major League Baseball but the sad part is despite the fact that this was a win the game itself is still being watched and run by old geezers who just don't know how to get in the thoughts and minds of the younger audience. Baseball needs to change man. Maybe the Field of Dreams was a start because guess what? My neighbor and my girlfriend, who both don't give a fuck about baseball. They saw what was happening, and they were intrigued. That's who baseball needs to attract, the common fan, the common person. Football does that all the time. A lot of people don't like football, but... Actually, that's a wrong take. A lot of people like football, as you can see by the by the audience. But the thing that NFL does, that Major League Baseball doesn't do, is that they attract the common fan. If you're a baseball fan, you're going to watch baseball regardless. But if you're not a baseball fan, what's going to drive you to watch baseball? They need to make the game more exciting. They need to perhaps make the games only seven innings. They need to speed it up with the pitch clock. They need to do more gimmick games. I don't know. I don't want to be in the position of Rob Manfred. He's getting paid the big bucks to talk about it, to do these things. He often makes the wrong decision. This time he made the right decision. I'm glad that they're going to continue the Field the Dreams game. I hope they add more gimmick games. Why fucking not? What do you have to lose? Your audience, your, your attendance is already... You know, baseball is clearly the third most popular sport in America. It's been surpassed by the NFL by, by a lot. The NBA has surpassed it. I know that the NBA is... I give the NBA shit a lot for their TV ratings and and deservingly so. I think they let the players run the league. But the NBA has their their social media game is on point. In the NBA, you know who the all-stars of the league are. You know you can put a face to a name. Major League Baseball, if Buster Posey walked down the street, you would not know who he is. If Shohei Ohtani walked down the street, you would not know who he is. If Mike Trout walked down the street, you would not know who he is. If Aaron Judge walked down the street, you would not know who he is. You would just know that they're tall and that they look like they are somebody. The Major League Baseball has an identity crisis. They do not know how to market the sport. But they did one thing right this week, and they've marketed the fuck out of Field of Dreams, and that was a success, and I hope they continue that success for the betterment of the sport. Still a lot of work to do, but kudos to them. They did something right for once. And on to my next segment, the Angry degenerates, Dumbasses of the Week.
0: The first step to recovery is admitting you're a dumbass. The Angry Degenerate's Dumbass of the Week.
1: Thank you, fancy intro. My Dumbasses of the Week is the NFL Competition Committee, a.k.a. the old whitehead owners, particularly one stupid owner who came out this week, the New York Giants, John Mara, came out and said, we want to stop taunting in the NFL. Guess what, folks? Do you really want your product, the NFL, to become Major League Baseball, where it's not fun to watch, where you have all these old-school rules that the young cats all scoff at? That is the way the NFL is trending at the moment. For those of you that don't know, the NFL has instituted this no-taunting penalty, and we saw it firsthand this week in preseason when a Colts running back ran up the middle. He did some... He ran up the middle for the first down, and he danced or did this little celebration, and he was immediately, immediately given a 15-yard penalty. The competition committee will tell you this is about the betterment of the game. <laughs> it ain't about the betterment of the game. This is about old white heads, meaning the old white NFL owners. And nothing makes old white people more uncomfortable then things that appear to be acting black. There I fucking said it. It's all old white owners that pushed for this. From the competition committee. The same people that didn't like Colin Kaepernick kneeling. And then that started everyone else kneeling. Remember? All these white owners saying just shut up and play. <laughs> I don't expect this one to last long. And it shouldn't. How are you going to tell me some young 20 year olds. That they can't taunt in the heat of battle on the gridiron. That's part of the culture we're in today, whether you like it or not. A little shit-talking here or there, it makes it fucking fun. Remember that Tampa Bay player in the Super Bowl that gave the deuces sign a Tyreek Hill? That shit was funny and was meme galore for weeks after. The NFL needs to watch itself. Baseball has already gotten a bad reputation for a good reason for far too long by abiding by these stupid yesteryear rules, like not watching your home run or flipping of the bat. Baseball is considered a sport stuck in yesteryear. Certainly speaking, the NFL doesn't want to be known as the sport stuck in the past. Let the kids fucking play. Let them have fun stopping gameplay for more penalties and rules will only hinder the product and you're already hindering the product with all these ticky tacky fucking penalties that you see every damn every damn game so stop with this nonsense that this is for the betterment of the sport nobody fucking agrees with you John Mara you're just fucking uncomfortable just like all your other owners let the players play And for that, John Mara, and the rest of the NFL owners, you are my dumbasses of the week. Listen to the fucking fans, and you'll be fine. Now on to my next segment, which is the Angry Degenerates Picks of the Week.
0: And now, the Angry Degenerates Picks of the Week.
1: Hot off the heels of rebounding and being 3-2 on my picks. Two weeks ago, this past week, I went 4-1, and one, bringing my overall record to 23-13. That's a 64% winning percentage, folks. You are not going to find much better anywhere else, and it's not like I'm picking heavy favorites. I'm picking anywhere between underdogs to things in minus 120 to 125. Last week, I took advantage of bad lines from DraftKings where they were underrating, reigning defending champions of the year before. You saw Atletico Madrid take care of business. You saw Sporting take care of business against Braga. You saw Benfica take care of business in the Champions League. And this week, I have, count them, four picks for you. I will start off with Tottenham. I have Tottenham at plus 130 versus Wolves. You have Nunu Espiritu Santo coming back as a head coach of Tottenham to take on a Wolves team that just seemingly cannot score. I expect some... Vengeance on the mind here. Tottenham is playing away, so take that into account, but Tottenham looked good last week. I got Tottenham at plus 130 against Wolves. That game takes place on Sunday, August 22nd. Second, I have another game taking place on Sunday, August 22nd. I have Chelsea at minus 120 playing away at the Emirates Stadium against Arsenal. Chelsea won their first league game 3-0 to no surprise. Arsenal, on the other hand, lost 2-0 to recently, I was going to say recently relegated, but no, they just came up from the championship. Uh, Brentford, they looked really terrible. I like Chelsea at these odds, at minus 120. Take it to the bank. On Monday, August 23rd, I have Sevilla plus 125 playing away to Getafe. Sevilla played well their first week. Getafe... And Sevilla's history in playing. Sevilla's won their last four matchups. I like those odds. Sevilla plus 125. And lastly, I have another game on Monday, August 23rd. West Ham versus Leicester City. I'm taking over 2.5 at minus 125 odds. Both defenses are struggling. West Ham gave up two goals last week. Leicester City has a lot of their folks in defense missing for this matchup, including a couple due to COVID-19. I expect this game to be goals galore. Leicester versus West Ham, minus 125, over 2.5 goals. So to recap here, folks, I got Tottenham, plus 130 against Wolves. I got Chelsea, minus 120 versus Arsenal. I have Sevilla, plus 125 against Getafe. And I have West Ham versus Leicester City, minus 125, over two and a half goals. Last week, I went 4-1. My goal here, obviously, is to be 4-0. But you know what? Sometimes life happens. And that's going to wrap it up for today, folks. This one's going to be a little bit shorter of a podcast. Just because I've been a little bit busy this week. I hope to, uh, like I mentioned in last week's podcast, I hope to start bringing on guests. I set up a YouTube now, and I have a green screen, so hopefully I start getting live video production. I know I don't have a face for television, but it's just gonna be that way. I need to monetize this thing, folks, and that'll be one way I can monetize it. But once again, man, I, I really appreciate everyone's support. I was on, uh, like I mentioned, I was on the Sports Corner last week as part of the ASAP Network. I think it went really well. I thank you to my co-hosts out there. It'll be a thing that I'll be constantly on every Monday now at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and it'll be live on YouTube Live and Facebook Live where uh you know my two co-hosts will just be will just be uh talking about different topics in in the sporting world uh, today this past week we discussed preseason football which I'm not a big fan of but you know it's something to talk about and then we talked about the San Francisco Giants and if they can hold on against the Los Angeles Dodgers and uh I also uh you know we took questions from the audience there was a very interactive audience out there so thank you out there for for um for sending out some questions. I look forward to be back this Monday. I hope everyone who hopefully listens to this podcast by Monday also tunes in, shares it on their personal social medias. Like I said, I also created a Facebook page. I'm trying to become a little bit more professional here, guys. The hope down the line is maybe make this podcast two times a week, have a guest on one episode, and then, you know, have a regular episode like this one today. We shall see. Life sometimes happens. Work happens. Work happens. I'm just a regular corporate stooge and uh you know I got to make got to make this work within uh, my time constraints. But that's it for for me folks. Follow me at the angry degenerate on TikTok. Follow me at the angry degenerate on Facebook. Follow me at the angry degenerate podcast on YouTube and follow me at the angry degenerate on IG. This episode will be released on Friday and I will see you all next week. Cheers, everybody.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. If you had a good time, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review as well. And follow at theangrydegenerate on Instagram and TikTok for all the latest updates, hot takes, shit talking, and of course, some high quality grade A trolling. Until next time. (coughs)